It is the Christmas episode, our very special Christmas episode of All Things Cozy. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm Matt. And I'm Jillian. And we are a bi-weekly podcast about all things that are soft, warm, and comforting, especially during Christmas time. I love that <laughs> jingle in the beginning of the opening. Oh, yeah. I know. I had to add something a little special. A lot of tricks up your sleeve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that took minutes to do. I'm I hope very you, I hope you all appreciated it. We are so excited. We have a very special guest with us today, um, a very Christmassy guest, <laughs> and maybe the only guest we've ever had that actually listens to the podcast, it's which is so which sweet. makes it Devoted the most special fan and listener of the podcast. <laughs> it's so um, wonderful. The voice you just heard was that of Alonzo Duraldi. He has Linoleum Knife, a podcast of the cinema, host of uh, What the Flick, co-host of What the Flick. I there are so many credits. I feel yeah, like yeah, I, I was so impressed. Uh, who shot you on Maximum Fun? <laughs> Um, he's the writer. Most importantly, he wrote the book on Christmas movies, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. Alonzo, welcome to All Things Cozy. Thank you. This is a dream come true. <laughs> Thank you. For, for us as well. <laughs> this is a match made in heaven. <laughs> Perfect. All, all of our Christmas wishes have come true. Yeah, I know our fans will be so excited to oh, have... Oh, good. So we're here today to talk about not only cozy Christmas stuff, right, traditions, but we're also here to talk about Two movies that you all voted for. You made us watch these movies. All 30 of you voted. That's right. All 30 of you <laughs> clamoring yeah. to hear our opinion on White Christmas. Because, you know, that movie has not been discussed enough. Uh, it, it really is a yeah. hidden treasure in Have American you heard of cinema. It? I, you know, I just stumbled upon it. Yeah. Well, it's on Netflix, so lucky yeah. for us. Yeah, exactly. And also love actually an obscure little Christmas movie. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they're both cozy. They're both very cozy. So, and actually, it, it, truly, I love, I love Love Actually. And so I think, I hope we won't fight about that. We'll see. Love Actually's gotten very controversial. It has, but fighting's not cozy. No, it's no, not. There so won't no be fighting any fighting here. No. no. This won't be like your family no Christmas party. No one on the party. naughty list. <laughs> so to start off the show, we're going to begin with Christmas wishes. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? I hope, I hope we appropriate. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Julian, what is your wish this Christmas? Well, I'll go and discuss it a little bit more in the episode when we talk about cozy Christmas locations. But every year since I was six years old, my mom has been taking me and my sisters to see the Radio City Christmas show because she's obsessed with it. And every year I begrudgingly go with her. I can probably do the dance myself, the Rockettes. Uh, <laughs> probably not well. I can probably recite the whole entire show um, we should post a video of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this year, my mom wasn't able to get tickets. Oh, she didn't. no. I know. So I'm really hoping that something works out last minute, a Christmas miracle. Are you hoping in, in quotes? <laughs> well, even though I don't like surprise. the show, she sounded so dejected when she said that, you know, she missed this pre-sale tickets. So for her, I'm hoping that. This is through. like your version of the Christmas shoes. <laughs> I guess it is. Yeah, you're gonna have to a find real life those story. Rockettes tickets. So the Rockets are listening. I'm sure. I think we have at least a couple of. There are so many. We have the odds are we have <laughs> one. Rocket statistically listener. speaking, yeah. there has to be one. Maybe former. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Christmas wish. That's a wonderful wish. Yeah. Alonzo, what is your wish this Christmas? Uh, my, you know, my wish this Christmas is that everybody just has as much or as little Christmas as they want and quit bugging everybody else about it mm -hmm. because you're here, you know, I, and I see this on both sides. I see the, 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 the sort of, 
people who are, you know, it's too, it's too early for decorations and I'm tired of hearing the Christmas carols, whatever. It's like, you know, getting in the face of the people who love that stuff. And then I also see the people who are, you know, like me, sort of madcap about Christmas, you know, trying to mm-hmm. push it on other people. And it's like, let's just all... Let's just all have our Relax. own Christmas yeah. and let everybody else have theirs. That's I'll, I'll be I'd be thrilled with that. That's a lovely wish. I think social media makes that a little bit worse. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it's people in the comment section. Why are these decorations up? Mm. A lot of shade. We talked about that mm-hmm. with Halloween decorations. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. So for me, my Christmas wish is for Donald Trump to be impeached. But uh. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit. That's too easy. It's too easy to say. Mine is. I think it's to, you know, just health and happiness, you know. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? I do. <laughs> and, I, and I'm wishing for all the continued health and happiness of us here today and for all of our listeners and friends and family. That's very sweet. It is I very like sweet. It. Thank you. <laughs> That's some Christmas. I'm, I'm humble. Yeah. I'm very humble this Christmas. You understand. I get it, you know. I get the meaning of it. And the meaning is is uh, Peanuts characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's just dive right into it. We're going to talk about, again, Love Actually and White Christmas. I need, like, I need an assistant to just push these buttons because they an are intern. so hard to find. Matt, I hate to interfere on your show, but isn't this the part where we talk about the candle? No, it's the end. Oh, I thought we I thought we teased it at the beginning, and then at the end well, was let's the review. Th- well, let's tease it. Okay. So this is actually an amazing opportunity, <laughs> because this is the also, not only is Alonzo the first guest who listens to this show, but he also brought his own candle, <laughs> yeah. which I think speaks to a level of commitment. That will, I think, never be surpassed. No. I, you know, I I, I got to raise the bar for yeah. the any future guests that you have who also listen to the show. Uh, no, uh, one of the things that I love about the holidays, about Christmas, is that um, candles and hand soap start smelling a lot better. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything's either sort of piney or citrusy or clovey. I can live without the vanilla E, but you know, oh. if that's your jam, uh, don't let me stand in your way. Uh, but one of the things that I, I really look forward to all year is the Ralph Lauren holiday candle. And it's a gorgeous candle. It, it, is. it really is beautiful. This is the it gleams, the nicest candle I've ever seen. <laughs> I've ever, I've never it's laid eyes on. It's a beautiful red color. It is. It's it's a gorgeous red. I mean, I'll tell you, for years I was all about the Gap holiday candle, mm-hmm. but then they got crappier over the years but that's, but they, that's the story of gap in general kind of yeah sadly but i think what they were what the gap candle was sort of aspiring to do in a very sort of uh uh, uh you know over the counter kind of way ralph lauren is really uh, you know this is the prescription version do you have to ask, they, they don't put this out you have to ask for it right they have it in a secret room in the back uh no i think you know it's it's, it's shockingly findable but the, you know mind you this is i brought the one wick version over like oh. you can get a four wick if you really want to go hardcore on this candle wow i haven't seen a candle that big unless I'm at Marshall's. Too rich for my <laughs> blood. I already know it. Awesome. So we will be reviewing this candle at the end of the show. Oh, thank you for bringing it. Oh, my pleasure. It already smells great. Just to, yeah, not little, to spoil anything. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the wick rating, but pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. So let, let's dive into our, our movies and, and talking yes. about the holiday in general. This isn't what I wanted. I think it works, though. Yeah, it works. It sounds like a house is on fire. Well, all of the sounds sometimes don't sound anything like they're intended to, I've noticed. so. Oh, gee, I know what I wanted. That's what I wanted. What's funny about that 
sound is that it never gets to all I want for Christmas is you, which is kind of the <laughs> point. But anyway, no one will know that but me who's listened to the entire soundbite. The, let's start with Love Actually on okay. that note. Which actually uh, includes someone singing that very song. That's right, yeah. at, the, at the very end. Yeah. Um, would anyone care to describe Love Actually for anyone who's never seen it? Uh, can, I, can I leave that to the Christmas expert? Yes, please. Sure. Can, can you okay. host this show for me? <laughs> <laughs> so Love Actually is a, an anthology comedy set in the weeks before Christmas uh, with, I think it's a dozen or maybe 13 interconnecting love stories of, of characters who are uh, somehow connected to one another through um, family or friendship or uh, employment. And over the course of the holiday season, we see some relationships uh, come together and others fall apart, uh, all against the very sort of snowy, glitzy um, London Christmas. That was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. It's almost like you do this professionally. You'd think, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all. If Alonzo's also the film editor at The Wrap, which I, I, I left that out of your oh, intro. true, yes. Thank it's you. important to mention. Right, so... Love Actually, lately I feel like it's been controversial in that at least on social media, people feel very empowered to tell everyone else how much they don't like this movie. I missed that whole controversy. Well, Lindy West, who's a a really great uh, essayist and sort of op-ed writer, did a lengthy essay explaining in, in, in vivid detail why she despises this movie. And she raises some valid points. Uh... I think one thing that's very easy to object to about Love Actually is the fact that four of the love stories in this movie are about men and their employees. Mm. Mm. You know, you've got Hugh Grant and his secretary. You've got Alan Rickman and his secretary. You've got Colin Firth and his uh, housemaid. And also secretary. I mean, she's p- chasing all those. True. Papers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she is. She's having to deal with his typing. And then, and then Bill Nye and his manager. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's that casts a bit of an. Uh, an, an an odd tone to the sort of romance here. But at the same time, I totally get why it's easy to just sort of go with love actually wherever it wants to take you because it is so kind of glossy and it's such a bauble, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I I did watch that. So I rewatched it a couple of days ago. It's off Netflix this year. Yeah. Which is a travesty. I think they're they're trying to get you to watch it in theaters because theaters, I know at the Arclight, and I think I looked it up in other theaters, they're doing like these like live showings with like a real choir or something. There's like something, some, some, oh my. I don't Seems know. It's a little some excessive revival. to me. I don't, well, I don't even know if there's, I don't know if there's going to sing All I Want for Christmas is You on, on repeat. I could be spreading oh, lies. No, no, actually, I think I know what you're talking about. There, there, there's, a, there's a thing in Los Angeles that's called, it's not the original cast, but it basically they, it's, it's a group that does. They'll do a show that's all the songs from a particular movie. Okay. And it can be anything from like Reservoir Dogs to, um, I think they did like a whole evening of John Hughes songs. And these are just obviously, you know, pop songs that happen to be in his movies. And they come up with a way to sort of create kind of a little mini jukebox musical out of it. So somebody at the Wallace Annenberg is doing the song, the music of Love Actually. With the movie playing? I think, no. I think it'll, I think it's just going to be like a show where they'll they'll just throw them all together and maybe come up with some sort of other story to, that that somehow loops in, you know, all you need is love, uh, uh, all I want for Christmas is you, and, you know, uh, whatever other crazy songs are in there. You know, Good King Wenceslas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the 
But the ArcLight one, I think it's like an ArcLight Presents, maybe, oh, that okay. they're doing. But now I want to imagine that they're doing like a Rocky Horror style <laughs> performance <laughs> of Love Actually in like Love Actually drag. Like, Can you imagine yeah. the going size back of to the, the cast? Gap. Well, you know, yeah. a must hair and some oh, true. broad stripes. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Uh, one year, uh, when Dave and I had our Christmas party, we jokingly said on the invitation, "Come dressed as your favorite Love Actually cast member." <laughs> and one person made cupcakes, and they had made little like uh, little cardboard things with the faces of every single character in that movie That's stuck awesome. in a different cupcake. So they had dozens of, a cupcakes lot of cupcakes with <laughs> all of these characters. It was hysterical. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, but so back to the movie. Like I viewing it now, it's hard not to. See, like see the validity of a lot of those criticisms. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like there are three segments I hate about love, like in love. Actually, okay. I hate, I hate Colin and his trip to America. All the American girls yeah, are so that's like a, throw, a throwaway story. That's a, yeah. and it's a, it's such a boy fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't like that he gets it his. Comes wi- true. Like, yeah. I don't like that he's mm-hmm. right. That was that was yeah. just bad. I don't like the porn stars because why? I don't. I don't really get that. It's. I mean. It's. It, it, I think it's the idea of a workplace romance where the workplace happens to be that you're stand-ins in a porn movie, and and the notion that they're having this sort of banal getting mm-hmm. to know you chit chat while like dry humping each other. Basically, it's the most creative segment. I think. You think so? Or the vignette? It, it's a little cutesy. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it, Matt. If you ever watch this movie on a plane, that's completely gone. Well, good because <laughs> the boobs distracted me. It just fell out of place. <laughs> You know, fair enough. What's the other one? The other one is, and this is the one I hate the most, maybe even more than the other two, is the Laura Linney oh, segment. Oh, I knew you were going to say that somehow. How did you know that? Because that's the sad one or well, the saddest that's not, one. I don't think it's the saddest one. I think it's the stupidest one because how in on God's green earth are you going to be on top of that man? Get a call from your brother who's in a hospital and being taken care of, and then not just finish the job before you go. Like, <laughs> like is, that was the, it's, it's, very like, romantic. it's so unrealistic that it takes you right out of it. I was upset, and it just I don't know. And then also like he hits her. The whole thing. I mean, I, that was very complex, and I, I liked the the idea that you have a complex sibling relationship and then you still love them, and that I like about that segment. But the timing of it and the conflict, and she just never gets that moment, is irritating. I mean, I think the point of it is that sometimes love is about sacrifice. No, I'm, I'm, love is never. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've never I mean, sacrificed. I mean, I hear you. I like to think there's a world in which she can be a, a good caretaker to her brother and get some like you know hot uh, naked bumping with Rodrigo Santoro. <laughs> but the movie is not going to let her have both of those things, sadly. Um, and then the segment that this is just going to be all about what I like and don't like about the movie <laughs> personally. The the, the segment that I'm in between on is the Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson one because it's I love their dynamic and it has some of the best scenes it in the whole real movie. Mm. It seems real. Yeah. I, I loved all of that. But in a movie where everything is about like overt romance, why end on such a bummer? And I know that sounds so stupid to be like, I wanted to be happy all the time, but it's love actually. So why does the one long-term relationship in the entire movie have to end in a depressing way because it's all new romance. True. It's only the long-lasting one that has to end in this sort of like... It, just, it comes out very pessimistically against well, long-term I, relationships. I think the ending gives you the impression that it's not over, mm-hmm. that they're going to work on it, that, right. that it's things aren't great, but I don't think it's... It's, like, it's not like... She's, you know, she's serving him with divorce papers. Yeah. I, I, you, you feel like they're going to start going to therapy. He's going to stop sleeping with the secretary, and they're going to figure it out because he would be an idiot not to because he's married to Emma Thompson. Right. And they're so respectful throughout it all. I thought at the end, at least, mm-hmm. it's you know, no 
theatrics is just a genuine, honest portrayal to people kind of accepting one another's flaws. Not Emma Thompson has flaws, but, you know, it was respectful, I thought. It's gotten to where it's not really Christmas until Emma Thompson cries. It's true. You know, that that's become one of the, the like, you know, Charlie Brown fixes the tree, you know, there's a, but like Emma Thompson cr- cries while listening to Joni Mitchell is now sort of on that list of things that yeah, have to happen. Heartbreaking scene. In, in, in an incredibly cozy sweater. Yes. The whole, the whole while. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Emma Thompson uh, had to wear, I mean, it's not even a fat suit, but just sort of a body suit to give herself a more sort of like matronly appearance Frumpy. in the film. Huh. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's, that's my... That's <laughs> 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 Daily, I have to go out like that. Um, but it, for me, I love everything else about that movie. It's delightful. And the, the one thing about it is I know it's manipulating me and I'm just a victim to this swelling music. Oh, and sure. Yeah. The it's great like, editing. If, if you're going to manipulate me well, it's like, yeah, do it. Bring exactly. It. But th- those and those airport scenes by themselves, those those reunions mm-hmm. are just heartbreaking and wonderful. And those always bring a tear to my eye. That's all about the setting. I love the London glitz Christmas. That's what appealed to me the most. You love your glitz and glam. I really don't like singing in songs as... Matt knows. There is something about, uh, Dave and I have talked about this on our podcast, where the British Christmas is so sort of post-religious. It's it's very, it's just a sort of secular festival, Mm -hmm. and they really go in for just the sort of gaudy, shiny, glistening, you know, foil wrap paper of the whole thing. And, you know, and and yeah, this movie really delivers that. I love those British um, department store ads every Christmas Mm -hmm. that make you cry, you know, and I love, uh, you know, all the stuff with the the puddings and the poppers and just all, they, they, they really go all out on Christmas and I, I have to respect that. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on love actually? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I just that, uh, well, the other thing that you don't get on airplanes when you watch it, and I know because I watched it on a plane recently, um, when when uh, Hugh Grant mentions 9-11 at the beginning of the movie. They take that out? They take that out. It I think wasn't I, an Amazon either. Really? No. Oh, but the, the, I bought it on Amazon and it was... Made my rental. Did you did you did you rent the not nine eleven version? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's, you have to pick the right one. Yeah, it I says the, you got to watch where you're l- clicking. There's love actually, and then there's love actually. The settings doesn't on mention my nine eleven. <laughs> no, I I, I think I think there's probably some rule for airplane movies that you can't. None of them have nine eleven in them. Yeah, uh, maybe it was Hulu. I rented it on. I don't know. Hmm. But hmm. there was no nine eleven. They, they must be running with the air the airport version, airport version, airline version, <laughs> airplane version. Very interesting. Air version. <laughs> um. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I I kind of loved that intro to it because mm-hmm. it set it in in that context of the Iraq War and everything was was pretty ter- like Iraq War was happening like right then it was like, right. it came out in two thousand three that had just started yeah um and it it seemed like the coziest thing in that context right I think everyone wanted an escape yeah and, and the thing about Christmas movies that I discovered in in doing the research is that. A lot of times, um, they they were released to terrible reviews, and you know, people critics at the at the moment would think that a movie is too sentimental or it's too sort of divorced from reality or whatever, and that's part of what makes a Christmas movie something that we go back to year after year. You know, mm-hmm. we want that sentimentality, we want that sort of glossy non-reality to it you know and um and 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 and, i mean i mean like one of the movies that was on the on the list for this was christmas in connecticut that's a movie that literally begins with a uh with a british 
Oh, sorry, an American troop ship getting torpedoed by a U-boat, and only two people survive. And that's the beginning of a comedy. Sounds like Christmas to me. Yeah, yeah. but you know, but in the 40s, I guess audiences by that point were so sort of used to it. That could, just, that could yeah. be the wacky setup for a movie and then not even think about it. But then, you know, uh, but then a movie like White Christmas that we'll be getting into is is so divorced from any kind of, you know, uh, current uh, uh, crises, you know, it, it exists in a sort of place of its own. And yet it's all about the war. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, because the, the song White Christmas, you know, was this n- enormous hit, and it was an enormous hit during World War II, and I think it very specifically became the kind of keep the home fires burning song for a lot of soldiers. Mm-hmm. And so the movie is sort of nostalgic for the world that existed when White Christmas was first popular with a song. And so that's why it, it begins with, you know, Bing Crosby singing to soldiers who are crying, you know, on the battlefield and ends with them singing it again to this general that they're, you know, sort of saving. Um, so the, the movie is wrapped up in a wartime nostalgia in the way that the song is. Right. So let's just dive into White Christmas. Sure. Yes. Um, we Jillian, watch it can, together. Can, can you describe the plot of White Christmas? I'm well, ki- I, I don't know. <laughs> I know why you're doing this because we could barely figure out the plot of White Christmas as we're sitting here watching it. It's very, at least in my opinion, a tad disjointed if you're not paying attention, like really close attention to it. So we tried to pay attention. We, we did, but we'd be asking each other, "What's happening? <laughs> who, who, wh- why is it? Mostly, why is this happening?" Mostly, so, we were fixated on Vera Ellen's waist. Which so, is like a violent I've tchotchke. never seen it's a more tinier waist than hers. And I was so like, busy looking up the Wikipedia pages I run because I love all that the gossip and who was who's married to who and <laughs> so I, I didn't know that so Rosemary Clooney was George Clooney's aunt. I have no idea yeah. how I didn't know that. Seemed, you know, so a lot of little tidbits. Yeah, lots of Hollywood royalty. Yeah, in this movie. so I was more just curious about that. Alright, I'm gonna try it. I'm going to try to describe the plot of this movie. And then, Alonzo, I need you to... If you stray, I will let you You are the safety net to this description, okay, in the summary. So, okay, so Bing Crosby and uh, the guy from Singing in the Rain. No. No, the guy from... Is it... uh, No. What's it, Donald? It's Danny Kay. Danny Kay. Not Donald O'Connor. I always get my Danny Kays and my Donald (laughs) O'Connors confused. You're young. It's okay. What else was Danny Kay in? Uh, the Court Jester and um, oh, the come sequel, on, the origi- something else. In the, the original, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, uh, <laughs> he was a huge star of the 1950s, but his stuff hasn't necessarily aged all that well. He had a long-running uh, variety show on TV, actually, the Danny Kaye show. Um, but, oh, what am I forgetting, Dave? <laughs> I, 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 you're, 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 put it, you're putting me on, you know, like knock on wood, like a lot of, uh, you know, uh, 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 a song is born. Like he, he was very popular in the 1950s. Uh, but the court jester is that one, you know, the, 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 the vessel with the pestle is the, has the brew that is true. I'm getting blank. Oh, yeah. no. Okay. Anyway, Danny Kaye, very popular <laughs> comedy song and dance guy, uh, of the fifties and then went on to have a long career in television, but this is probably his biggest movie. All right. So not Donald O'Connor. Correct. Danny Kaye. Danny Kaye. So Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby are in the army together. Danny Kaye saves Bing Crosby's life. Mm-hmm. Right. And he has like a one man show. Yeah, and so I think because of that, they start going on the road together. He's like Danny Kaye's the comedian, yeah, yeah, and Bing Crosby's the crooner, and they 
all those newspapers fly by and they're spinning and they're yeah. telling us that they're a huge success. They're the toast of Broadway. That's right. <laughs> they're boffo. Their act is boffo. <laughs> and then they become producers and so they go out to scout a sister act because ostensibly they wrote a letter. Like their a old fake army. Letter. Yeah. Well, we find that out later. Okay. And that's Rosemary Clooney and her sister. I keep wanting to say Vera Drake, but it's Vera Ellen. <laughs> uh, strange name. Vera, Vera, um, it's Vera, like, dash. Yeah, it's hyphenated. Ellen, hyphenated, right? Is that, is like, was she like Madonna, Madonna of her time? Is Kinda, she like one name? Yeah, just, just, yeah. Vera Ellen. And so the two of them, who, she, Vera Ellen did not do her own singing in this. Correct. I, I read on Wikipedia. It was so awkward. <laughs> I know because all all the other three are just like actually singing in their each other's faces, and then she's mm-hmm. sort of just mouthing it. I'm sure they're all mouthing it because it's all tracked. But anyway, True. so they see the show and then end up like Danny Kay is obsessed with getting Bing Crosby so married. So he can have 45 minutes alone to get just a massage. 45 minutes yes. alone to get a massage. <laughs> so bizarre. So he hatches this plot and <laughs> gives the train tickets to the sister act because they skip town to get away from their landlord. And I mean, we're, we're up, just right? in the first 20 minutes of the movie. I'm, I'm not even getting started yet. And then so the they go on the same train together to this because they're performing at a ski lodge, which coincidentally is owned by their old general from the war right. who's fallen on hard times. And it's not a white Christmas. No one's going to the ski lodge. He's going to like be unemployed. Mm-hmm. They only get half their salary, only get half their salary. And they show up and. It's this weird ski lodge that defies the logic of time and space. It has where a huge like, soundstage, the all ski of a sudden, lodge. Yeah, all of a sudden, the, the stage is enormous, and then there are all these dancers just in New England ready to go. Glitzy props all yeah. available. And ready. then, but they, they dance really mm-hmm. beautifully, um, and there's some singing. And Lots of singing. They save the lodge. Essentially, and they fall in love in the process. There's some back and forth of the romance, as romances do. But it seemed to be a movie more about the general. That's what I took yeah. away from it. <laughs> did I did, did I do that? Was that was that okay? You, you pretty much covered it. I, th- <laughs> this is a movie that was written in a month. You know, uh, like uh, while while costumes were being designed. Well, it and took a month to watch built. it, so that makes sense. <laughs> it felt so long. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, there was the, the song "White Christmas" was introduced in a in a Bing Crosby movie from the '30s with Fred Astaire called "A Holiday Inn," and the premise was this guy uh, opens an inn, but that's only open on holidays. So every number in the movie is a, is devoted to a different holiday during the year. So there's White Christmas, but there's also like a July the Fourth number, and there's a Thanksgiving number. Sadly, there's also a Lincoln's birthday number in which Bing Crosby and the rest of the cast do blackface. Oh, dear and God. And so that's why you don't really see that one on TV so much anymore. Um, so, yeah, White Christmas... Uh, it, the plot is the least of it. You know, it, it, it's basically an excuse for the musical numbers. Uh, and, and again, for the nostalgia, it, it, it really is a movie about sort of World War II veterans feeling warm and fuzzy about World War II in the 1950s, which on the one hand, it's sort of like, well, you know, the war is hell. And mm-hmm. for a lot of, a lot of the people, it was, it was a really horrifying experience. But uh, as, as my husband Davis pointed out in, at, at times, we were in the middle of a Cold War at this point in the 1950s. And so, you know, the idea of, like, facing off with the, you know, the Nazis on the, you know, beaches of Normandy maybe seemed a little less terrifying than nuclear Holocaust mm-hmm. happening at the drop of a hat. So that was, you know, we were already sort of building that, you know, good war mythology about World War II. Yeah, it gives a lot of perspective. 
Um, you know, also romanticizing the war buddies and the mm. friend, the friendship. That's a big part of it. Um, but I think uh, most of all, I enjoyed the dancing. Oh yeah, the dancing is extraordinary. I mean, impeccable. Vera Ellen, whatever her, you know, not, even with the not singing and whatever you might think about her acting, uh, her <laughs> dancing is extraordinary. She is so perfect in this movie, and and mm-hmm. apparently was just one of those people who rehearsed, 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 and super perfectionist, and it was never good enough. And 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 you know, it really you can see it in the work. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the costumes, yeah, they're so eye catching and they're so creative. I love those. Well, this was this is a Technicolor movie that is just like retina searing Technicolor, mm-hmm. yes. like the red outfits at the end, like the, the blue. It, yeah, that's like a, it's a red that just doesn't exist in nature. You no, know, it's and the most saturated. Totally, yeah. Version and, of everything. and Bing Crosby's sort of you know famous blue eyes, you know, really mm-hmm. kind of pop. Too yeah, he kind of reminded me of a, a White Walker from Game of Thrones. <laughs> A little bit at the beginning because it's so intensely blue. It's almost like he was dead. <laughs> yeah, so I agree. Not about the plot, but more about the musical numbers. Yeah, and all the glitz. Yeah, because it's, it's all these songs are by Irving Berlin, and and so like even those like that we talked about the spinning headlines, the kind of quick montages of them doing their Broadway act. Like all of those are bits of Irving Berlin hits. You know, blue skies and having a heat wave and or tropical heat wave and stuff like that. So uh, all of those are are Berlin songs, and then all the songs that they perform over the course of the film are, are Berlin songs as well. Yeah, the I feel like it has one of the funniest reverse shots in history, which is when they're watching one of the amazing dance numbers, and it's involving thirty people on the stage spinning around in ways that defy gravity. Mm-hmm. And then they flip around and it's three people in a lodge watching it. <laughs> that was so like, funny. We were, we, were, we were cracking up. <laughs> it was I rehearsal. It was, I thought, yeah, well, yeah, I thought they were like, on, like they had like then cut and gone to Broadway or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, no, we're still in the lodge. Yeah. Nope, just it's the general. just for three people. Yeah. There's a hilarious bit where they, they, they do it. There's a song called Mandy and a, a line that gets repeated about 20 times the song is Mandy, there's mm-hmm. a minister handy. And so then they take a break, and Rosemary Clooney goes to the piano and she goes, I have a little problem with this part. And she starts going, Mandy, there's a minister. Like, which part? Mm-hmm. That, that line is literally in that song 20 times. Like, <laughs> you gotta be a little more specific on which version we're talking about. I remember at one point, I was, because I had watched this once before, but I had forgotten it. And then, so at one point, when they started doing their sister act in the beginning, I was mm. like, Jillian. I'd like, I, look, I turned to her. I was like, this is the funniest thing. You, I can't wait for you to see this. I was so and then, confused. And then they did it, and, was, and nothing happened. Because I had forgotten yeah. that what I found funny was that Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye do the sister's right. number. Yes. Um, Which I liked. And they're mincing around and, and very... I, I, you know, I wish, I, wish I, I were from that era to a certain extent. Not really, but <laughs> not mom, really. My mom like, said it but, reminded her of her parents. Yeah, no, it reminds me of my grandparents. Yeah, and so that's why she likes it. It makes it, her remember. It, rem- her it reminds me of ceramic trees that my grandma would have, and a pot roast with like a pineapple and a cherry in it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like that. Even though tinsel covered trees, it's oh yeah, me of they look like they look like ho- almost too. Halloween trees because mm-hmm. it's all spider webs. You can't. It's nothing mm-hmm. but tinsel. Yeah, there's a, a lot of aggressive sort of mid-century modern design in this movie. And then, you know, the the sort of those kind of oblique uh, backdrops, you know, where it's sort of like an outline of a mm, thing that yep. you're supposed to figure out what the thing is, you know, uh, in, the, in the whole minstrel show number, you know, these sort of stylized, you know, illustrations of a performer. Again, uh, you know, they don't do blackface in this movie, but they have a whole number about minstrel shows mm-hmm. and how great minstrel shows were. And uh, and actually, you know, Irving Berlin and a lot of his sort of fellow 
uh, Jewish immigrant Tin Pan Alley songwriters loved minstrel acts, but they had no understanding of the racial politics mm. behind them. So, like, that's why, you know, he throws the blackface into, into Holiday Inks. It was like, what? We're just... We like this kind of music, and this is how they do it. It's like, eh, no, it's yeah. yeah. on that, you know. So the minstrel <laughs> show comes close to that edge without tipping over. Um, you know, and then there's that whole number, you know, they, there's a song called Choreography. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> so, so Bob Fosse actually choreographed that, right? Did I read that correctly? Oh, I don't know that that's true. I, I, I don't know I, if it's true I, either. It might Wikipedia be. Wikipedia told me that. Oh, and then so it must it, be true. It must be true. Uh, but they're making fun of, you know, the sort of post-war, like Martha Graham mm-hmm. kind of experimental choreography that was not the, you know, we liked hoofers and rockets, you know. <laughs> right. I know. It's funny watching it. It was like, oh, this is the choreography takedown that we're all waiting for. I, was, yeah, I wasn't sure how it fit in. Finally, someone brings down movie. those snobby people who well, dance to choreography. Lo- another layer of confusion for me because I was still trying to figure out the plot, and then <laughs> this, this came in, and I really had no idea. Well, Irving Berlin was not exactly the heppest cat in the world. Like when the uh, when when Elvis covered White Christmas, he tried to ban it basically, but there was wow. no way to sort of stop him from doing it. And and you know you had like. You know, R&B groups of the 50s, you know, there's the, uh, it's, it's um, I'm forgetting which one, but they sort of famously, you know, do, that white yeah, Christmas yeah. version. He didn't like that either. Like, he was, he was very sort of old school traditionalist about this stuff. So the choreography number is, it's, it's kind of a preview of what you would get a lot in late 60s movies, which is sort of old white guys hating the new thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and sort of that like... never having, goes out of style. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Say, it's, it's a perennial and mocking it, you know. Well, I love hearing all this backstory and history about the movie. When you don't have that perspective, it... You, you watch it a different way. And yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, yeah, it was a movie I sort of grew up watching, and, I, you know, I, I think probably The Sisters number was sort of my first exposure to, like, you know, drag, yeah. probably. Um, but, yeah, in, in reading about it, there, it had really this whole sort of weird history where it was kind of like they, they – it was originally supposed to be Crosby and Astaire again, and then Cros- uh, Astaire finally said no and didn't want to do it. And so then they, they got Danny Kaye and, you know, Rosemary Clooney had never mm-hmm. made a movie before, but she was a really popular singer. And everybody kind of knew that this movie was going to be a hit because the song White Christmas had been so gigantic. Like, I think it's still the, like, biggest single in in American pop history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they they kind of the property itself was was such a sort of guaranteed hit that everything else was sort of by the by. And it's directed by the guy who made Casablanca. Oh. Mm. Yeah. yeah, all these I, little tidbits. I kind of wish the whole movie had just been them in their Santa suits at the end, just <laughs> dancing. Just the whole thing. Um, also, it's a movie that could never be made today because there's no way a general would be unemployed. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be on the board at Enron. There you go. There's no, there's no way he'd be struggling. It's, it's so sad when he writes that letter. So it was so, his, oh yeah, so to get his job that back. letter. They just said you sit rotting away on your porch. I believe was the line. I'm like, yeah. wow, they're really harsh. This general, it was heartbreaking. You know, and, and I, I imagine that you know after a war, there's probably more like retired generals than usual. But it, it's weird that 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 Irving Berlin is so moved by the plight of these guys that there's an entire number in the movie called "What Do You Do with a General?" Yes. You know, <laughs> which I think Leonard Maltin even called this might be the worst song Irving yeah, Berlin ever wrote. Yeah, it was very bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But all of our well, listeners, it, it, were I think that's a, a valid question. 
What do you do with the general? <laughs> Get him a, a talking head gig on MSNBC. I well, there you go. Fin- <laughs> we finally figured it out. <laughs> it, it t- 50 years later, um, we figured out what to do with the general. Any final thoughts on the Christmas classic, White Christmas? Well, it was very popular when we posted about it on yeah. social media. There's a, there's a so lot of love for this movie. I can see love. why. It's it's it I, uh, the nostalgia that comes with it, the mm. the oversaturated colors, the Danny Kaye's dancing, and all the like the hilarious. The, the dancing was the funniest thing. Like actually, the physical comedy was the stuff the, that kind yeah. of still lasts. Well, I mean, Danny Kaye is doing doing you know physical shtick, but but Vera Ellen is doing full-on, just yeah. like gorgeous movie musical dancing. And I mean, I think the cozy factor of this movie is off the charts. You know, you have, mm-hmm. because the lodge, as much as it's so obviously a soundstage, especially there's that moment when when the general drives the Jeep onto the ground, <laughs> right. and it's like, you're indoors. <laughs> Who drove that thing I miss that era. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but uh, you know, the way that everybody gathers late at night to get, you know, like sandwiches and buttermilk and all that stuff. It just, there there's a real... Vermontiness to it mm-hmm. that 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 you want to go back to every year. And as Hallmark has let us know, there's nothing cozier than Vermont. They oh. will shoehorn Vermont to any title. <laughs> Christmas in Vermont. Yes, and if you can a Vermont Thanksgiving. If you can, if you can, you know, open a bakery there or enter an ice sculpting competition, so much the better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are there any other like Christmas movies that you'd recommend to listeners? Maybe maybe mm. that. Would expand their horizons. Oh golly! Well, that that's why I wrote the book. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, just buy the book. Sure, have yourself no. a movie, a Little Christmas. Please do buy the book. Uh, no, but there are there are I think a, a lot of movies that do loan themselves to uh, to coziness. I mean, if you go back actually and look at all of the films that you guys offered on the poll, those were ones that Matt and I talked about that were that would fit for this show. Mm-hmm. So even if they didn't win, you still might you know get some 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 nice coziness out of them this holiday season. I always love uh, watching Bridget Jones's Diary. It's not really an explicitly Christmas movie. Touches but on it. But sure, it's in it's, there. It's in there. It's like it's, I don't know. I, I love Bridget Jones. I think we Jones? have that movie to blame for the uh, quote unquote ugly Christmas sweater explosion. Oh. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it, everything starts off good and then we just ruin it. <laughs> so I, I can't blame can't that movie. can't have nice things. Uh, my mom really wanted a movie on the poll. Santa Claus? Where it has that... The Tim Allen? No, not, not it's, really, it's a really old one where they have that devil named Pitch. Yes, uh, Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, Santa and Merlin team up to fight the devil. Yes, it's Merlin. Amazing. Oh my yes, God. I used to watch it all the time when I was little. My mom's obsessed with it. Oh wow! See, I didn't see it until I was an adult because they did it on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Mm-hmm. And that, at first, it's different from Santa Claus versus the Martians. Oh yeah, a oh, whole other movie. Uh, and it, this is this is literally from the guy who directed Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy. Um, and it, it, and for a long time, I just thought, oh, what a what a dopey weird movie. But the mm-hmm. more I watch it, and I watch it every year now, I I've kind of come around the the bend on it, and sort of I, I now think of it as sort of like baby's first Buñuel movie. Like it's, <laughs> it is, it is surreal in the actual definition of the word and not the, as misused by reality show contestants. It, mm-hmm. it is so strange and, and oddly uh, hypnotically wonderful. I really love that. Yeah. Movie. It's definitely a little bit strange. I was terrified of pitch when I was little. Oh, I bet. So terrified. <laughs> He's a very red. Yes. Demon. And those, his bright blue eyes too, I think. Oh yeah. I think you're right. So, Pretty terrifying combination. But it's also it's cozy, though. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a. It's not Christmas unless I've seen at least a couple of Rankin and Bass stop motion animation movies. Either. Oh, absolutely. Like those are those are classics. Rudolph Although, the reindeer. you know, Rudolph. The, uh, it is interesting. The the sort of 
the 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 I don't know if postmodern is not the word, but the 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 contemporary interpretations of that in terms of how. Uh, you know, you can look at it as it's almost an X-Men movie and that, you know, he's a mutant and nobody wants to have anything to do with him until he proves himself useful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the notion of, like, you know, he should tell Santa to go F himself after <laughs> being treated so badly for the whole movie. It's like, oh, now that I'm useful, now you want me, now, now you all Good love point. me. <laughs> now that we're talking about the holiday in general, what are some cozy Christmas traditions that you... That you enact year after year. <laughs> well, my uh, my parents were both born in Spain, so the the thing they do there is uh, what they call Noche Buena, which is Christmas Eve, and so you do the big dinner on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and then at the end of it, you know, after after sitting around the table for hours, you then go to midnight mass, and then we would come home from midnight mass and like open a bottle of champagne and open our presents. Um, now, when I was a little kid, what would happen is that I would, of course, go to bed early, you know, to, to not see Santa, whatever. And they would literally wake me up in the middle of the night wow. and say, hey, Santa came. And I would just sort of groggily, like, <laughs> open my presents and, you know, dig them for a while and then go back to bed and, and then wake up Christmas. And then Christmas Day was, we'd always, we'd sort of, you know, shot our wad at that point. So we would just, like, eat leftovers and go to a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, exa- mm-hmm. that's exactly my experience because my family is Polish Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so, same thing. Like, Christmas Eve was when all of the extended family would get together. That was the big party. We'd go to mid- midnight mass. Like, I'd open up the majority of my presents. I think we saved one for the morning. Mm-hmm. There were some years we just opened them all of on, on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. And yeah, Christmas Day, it's been kind of an adjustment, like... Just like with my boyfriend, well, not, not particularly, he's also Catholic, so there's like some similarities there, but Christmas Day kind of means nothing to my family. Mm. We kind of just sit around <laughs> and watch TV. <laughs> like, the, we don't leave the, like the, the apartment at all. It's just like, we're, we're done for That's the day. That's the best tradition, in my opinion, because we had used to go on Christmas Day to our family's house, our relatives. So as time's, high time has gone on, now that's exactly what we do. We just hang home and maybe like stop to, for dinner at a relative's house, but we spend the whole day actually just hanging out. And that's my favorite tradition, doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I like about A Bad Mom's Christmas is that uh, the Mila Kunis character like, basically just wants to sit around in cozy pants with her kids and her you know, boyfriend and her boyfriend's daughter and like, you know, watch Christmas movies and eat Chinese food. Yeah. And you know, there's all this external pressure like, no, you have to do this, you have to do this other thing. And, and, and I think you know, if, if you don't grow up with a Christmas tradition that you love and that works for you and that you want to revisit every year, then you know, that's part of the fun of adulthood is you get to make up mm-hmm. your own. Yeah, yep. no, exactly. We've brought back... Those the the big like C I can't remember if they're C seven or C nine bulbs on our Christmas tree. Mm. Um, do I, I never did big bulbs on was it like little Italian lights? But oh, see, I I, I grew up with C sevens and, yeah. and we've we we continue that on our own tree. I, I don't trust the I mean, not that I don't trust LED lights. I just don't think they look as I good. don't I don't like LED lights. No, the they're they're too bright. It's a little they're soul- not warm. They're a little soulless for me. Yeah, they're yeah. not warm. You're they're right. fine outside. Sure. Yeah. Other people can look at those lights, but if I'm going to be inside my own house, I want to look at warm lights. I do like LED lights when somebody really aggressively wraps a tree in their Mm -hmm. yard, you know, and just like every inch of it is covered. Like that's, I I admire that. Yeah. They kind of only work if you're doing like a full winter wonderland, like amusement park level (laughs) thing. One tradition I do not like, we started to go chop down our own tree, which I guess my mom thought would be a, unique 
family bonding experience than just going to the lot. We drive out somewhere on Long Island and all these people from Long Island pretending to be woodsy and <laughs> you know, tra- chopping down their own trees. Just miserable standing around my dad as he he's a super skinny guy and he would just struggle so much to cut the tree and us all watching him and shape and shaming him i suppose <laughs> he couldn't get, get cut down the tree it's a terrible experience axe or chainsaw oh all those like little saws oh right the okay. hand saws um <laughs> so but i i loved going out just the little cute lot with all the the lights around and going and picking it out and instead of driving all the way out maybe to montauk or something god knows where mm. That sounds like hell. It was. <laughs> do you do cozy. fake or real? Oh, real, absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and actually, in the last, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking I'm, it back. I'm, I, well, I grew up with fake, mm-hmm. um, and then we we didn't really start doing real in my house until I was, I, I was the youngest. So I think by the time I became a teenager, it was sort of like, oh, we could do real. It's not like anybody's going to knock this thing over. Um, and then yeah, Dave and I do real, and and we've actually started getting these. And I never remember the names of the different kinds of trees, but rather than everybody likes a big sort of bushy tree, but we've been going more old school with the kind of the sort of spindlier ones where the mm-hmm. uh, the um, the ornaments you don't get to put as many on the tree, but they really pop. Mm-hmm. So like if you're watching an old '40s movie, the Christmas trees in those movies tend to be a little more, you know, the the branches aren't all packed together; they kind of stick out more mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so we've been we've been getting those trees, and and, and that's the kind of thing where like you, the lots here will get like two of them. Mm-hmm. So you got to get in early, or else forget it. You, you're gonna get the Fraser fur like everybody else. No, I'm I'm 100 fake. Okay, I'm not mm. cleaning up needles. Not when you're growing it. up too, fake. No, I grew I grew up with real. Oh, you grew up with real. The cat will get in it. It's it was a whole mess. I'm not doing that. Sap <laughs> everywhere. I, you know, we don't have pets, so that's not an issue. And the uh, you know I, I I've been kind of shocked where. I mean, I don't know if we've just been lucky or we buy the trees in the right place, but we'll put ours up like first week of December at the latest, if not Mm -hmm. like right after Thanksgiving and keep, keep watering it. And I make us keep it up until January 6th, which is epiphany, Mm -hmm. which is the, you know, the 12th day of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it it doesn't shed crazily. That is lucky. Yeah. Hmm. Christmas miracle. (laughs) That's right. I realized year after year. we forgot to do cozy locations. I ah. think that is what was missing from okay. the beginning. We're just so excited it's Christmas, guys. <laughs> um, so Can't fix that's why the crackling fire happened. <laughs> that's why that happened. Sorry, that's probably my fault for butting in about the candles. No, it's not oh, your fault no. at all. No, I'm just I'm just too excited to talk about Christmas. <laughs> so let's let's do it. Let's talk about some cozy Christmas locations. Um, I'll kick it off with. It's, okay, I I really can't and I can't call this cozy this place, but it is like just an artifact from my childhood that I feel obligated to mention, which is Santa's Village Ooh. in East Dundee, Illinois. I've so, always wanted to go to one of those. Oh, I mean, you're not missing anything. <laughs> uh, it's it's basically just a carnival with some animals. They call it an azuement park. Azuement. <laughs> I'm probably saying it, it right. That, is, the that thing. is a labored portmanteau. Oh, absolutely. And it's a labored amusement park. <laughs> it's all Christmas themed and you have Santa's workshop and I don't I don't I don't know. Like I remember as a kid I loved it because it was like I felt like in my little stupid child brain that I was like actually visiting the North Pole and so like every that there were like giant gingerbread houses was mm-hmm. like awesome. <laughs> and now I feel like it would kind of look like something out of a goosebumps book, but <laughs> they reopened it. Um, just a few years ago. So it was out of commission for a while. 
Because, like, in, in Chicagoland, we always had, like, even before Six Flags, like, in the 50s, there was, like, this rash of, this rash of um, amusement, like, old-style amusement parks, like right. Kittyland, and, and there was a Kittyland still open when I was little, and we were just used to going to little, like, I don't know, rusty Sounds a bit <laughs> carnivals terrifying. with, like, cup rides and pirate ships. Kittyland. Mm-hmm. Ki- yeah, Kittyland yeah, is, is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. D- Disney and, and Six Flags wiped those places out. But they, they really have a, did, They have yeah. a certain charm. Right, mm-hmm. they do. And so, but you know what? If you're in, I realized doing my research today that it actually is based in California. In Southern, in Southern California, there are three Santa's villages. There was talk about reopening one of them last year. I remember going to the website to find out how to get tickets, and then they never quite made their date and I don't know that it ever happened at all but mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to go to one of those even though I'm sure it's going to be sadder than I think mm-hmm. just you know just to just for the experience of it but it is a cozy memory of, of visiting as a child um, Santa's Village you still can today and for the California ones I think we should just get a crooner and a comedian to bring customers back yeah and maybe tell them their general needs yeah. them to yeah. reopen Jesus. it <laughs> some, some, some crackpot calls himself oh. the general and wants to run a Santa's <laughs> Village um Jillian, what's your cozy location? Uh, going back to Radio City, even though it's clamoring with tourists and tons of kids during Christmas, um, I remember going when I was little to see the show and just being in awe of how beautiful Radio City um, can be and where they kept where they kept all the Rockette dolls. Every year, my mom would buy me a Rockette doll for Christmas, and each year I thought she wasn't going to get it for me, but on the day of Christmas, it would be there, and I'd be so excited to see what new costume they were wearing. So I remember all the Rockette dolls being in dis- display, being in absolute awe of all of that. So even though it gr- it's grating now, on a, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it when I look back on it, because those have a lot of cozy memories. Did you ever think for a second that you were going to be one? Did you ever like, oh, have yes. a dream? Oh, yes. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know how I'm just clamoring to get on the stage? <laughs> Gotta dance. <laughs> you know, I love my musical numbers. Um, I, I love... Is that why you kind of resent them? Is it like... <laughs> yeah, the bitter rage in yeah. my heart. I love that, um, how Lindsay Lohan's mom tried to falsely pretend that she was one of the rockets. Oh, right. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Do you still have the dolls? I do, yeah. Oh. All their cute little costumes. That was just so exciting. They're probably little time capsules now. Yeah, outfits. maybe I could get some coins. Get some, get some dough. <laughs> yeah, rocket coins. <laughs> we'll see. Alonzo, what's your, what's your cozy Christmas location? I'll tell you, I, this, is, this is one for me from recent years that, that I've, I've found in Southern California. And I know for a lot of people... Uh, the mall at Christmas time is just a source of never-ending anxiety. But mm-hmm. I have usually done the bulk of my shopping by the time we get to December, mm-hmm. uh, so I can go and not feel like I've got a million things, you know, pressing in on me. And I really like going to South Coast Plaza, which is it's a little bit south of here. It's kind of Long Beachish, uh, and it's enormous. And they have these huge. Christmas trees, like one of which is so big that it is decorated with other Christmas trees. Wow. <laughs> and it, you know, the, it's it, like they, a transformer. But basically, yeah. You know, they, it's one of those malls that has a lot of these sort of skylights. And so the trees just go all the way up to the skylight. And of course, they're artificial, but you know they're they're just stunning. And and you know, obviously, I don't get anywhere near the Santa action because that's like that's moms and dads just mm-hmm. losing it. But there are you know just to, to look at it from above, it's like it, it's very elaborate, and there's like a train, and there's you know all this stuff, and the elves running around. And then what I really love is if you go, 
I usually try and go like on a Sunday, like I'll get there right when they open and sort of spend the day. Uh, local, uh, the local churches and local high schools will send their choirs and their handbell choirs. And mm. I love a handbell <laughs> choir. Let me tell you, if you want to, if you want to stop me dead in my tracks at Christmas time, put a handbell <laughs> choir in my path and I'm yours. A good tip. That's amazing. Did you ever go caroling or experience that? I never did. I mean, you know, I, I went to, you know, when, when, when I was a kid and I was you know, having to go to church all the time, like we did, we would do like a children's mass early on, on the 24th. And there was a lot of singing in that one. And it was a mix of, you know, secular and the sacred or whatever. Um, but no, not really. And I, 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 I would kind of like to as an adult, although I have a terrible singing voice, but I have a, an enthusiastic one. So, you know, I would at least offer volume, if not, if not actual pitch. Um, but yeah, th- there's things I mean to do every year and never get around to. Like one would be like go somewhere, e- e- whether it's caroling or just sort of a, 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 I know they do a thing, I think downtown where it's just literally like choirs singing out loud and, and the audience is encouraged to sing along as well. I never drive around to the houses that have the really insane lawn displays. But, oh, you know. that, that's, that's kind of our pastime. I, I always like looking at mm. crazy lawn displays. All right, well, take me with you, Matt. I'll go. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I feel like the area I'm living in now will have a lot of oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is that kind of neighborhood for right. sure. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to our final couple of segments. Do you, do you hear that sound that's going to be playing in a second? Yeah. The, the Polar Express is, <laughs> is coming to take us away to the North Pole. We have to go soon. It's actually one of the more appropriate sounds. Like, actually, no, sounds like it's like right now. That it sounds yeah, like it us. sounds like well, Santa Claus. No, I don't want to get it. You're gonna pick the sounds next time. In a bunch, but Santa Claus sound like I'm forcing you to pick the sounds for St. Patrick's Day. Good luck. <laughs> I still love the one that was the the, the paparazzi taking pictures or whatever. That was that <laughs> so my, fax, my favorite. Like, what is coffee that? machine fax machine? <laughs> um, I'm just always trying to to vex our listeners with with new weird sounds. You're keeping it professional. I admire it. Nothing more professional than a free soundboard you downloaded from <laughs> iTunes with no reviews. Um, so, celebrities that call us, Jillian, would you like to yeah, kick it m- off? Mine's a little bit random today. I realize on my way over here that I'm running out of cozy celebrities. <laughs> you know, I think the world is running out of cozy celebrities. <laughs> so, I think we're just going to give up on it altogether pretty soon. So, I don't know, I guess, if he qualifies as a celeb- celebrity, but um, Joe Biden. He just makes me feel cozy. It's a, maybe a random pick, as I said, but he just always seems to have a positive, happy, you know, jolly demeanor. And those memes with Obama really, <laughs> really warm my heart, especially now. I'll just look at them or also even just look at pictures of him <laughs> and just re- sadly reminisce by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Jillian. <laughs> like I, I didn't know turn. it was that bad. Yeah, you okay? Yeah, and I know, just you know, imagine him riding on that Amtrak to, to from Delaware to Washington. It's been a rough time for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think he was in my head because he was talking about when he was thinking possibly running for president in 2016. So, I think that's why it came up in my mind. He was like, yeah, he's a pretty cozy guy. For me. Um it comes from just watching Love Actually and realizing just like the amount of incredibly cozy celebrities that are in that movie are, it's, it's intense. Overflowing. It's an intense, yeah. I don't even know where to begin. Like I have like a list. I, I don't know if, whether to go with Liam Neeson or Aww. Emma Thompson. Um, 
I, I, I think I'm going to go with Liam Neeson. Oh, he's so right. sweet. He's always very dependable. If I get kidnapped, he'll save me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's extremely cozy. He has a specific set of skills. He does have a very... <laughs> he, he's good at giving life advice to children <laughs> and saving them from kidnappers. Yes. The, the um, perfect dad. He's the protector of, of all people who are mm-hmm. vulnerable in society. Liam Neeson, the original Lincoln. I just never watching cast. him in interviews. He just has this really great, great way and comforting way of speaking. He just seems like a solid guy. And a, a lot of you have crushes on him. He's, he's, he's a heartthrob. Yeah, he is a heartthrob. But I always just think about him and Natasha Richardson. That oh, the, okay. you know, oh. Not to take it down oh a notch. Oh, my God. Why? Not to take it to a dark place, but I think uh, it's really comforting and, and sweet. I their, had forgotten about bond. that. I think Thanks. that's really endearing, and that's what makes him partly cozy to me, how much he loved this woman. They that, were they were lovely. I, 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 my, my Liam Neeson story, I uh, one year at LA Film Critics, I got to present him with uh, Best Actor for Kinsey, and I sat across Honor. the table from him and Natasha Richardson, uh, and they were just they they canoodled mm. for the whole dinner. It was adorable. Like they just Warms you could, my they heart. were so like palpably into each other. It was lovely to That's watch. That's really neat. That's wonderful. So he's definitely a real life cozy person. Absolutely certified. Excellent, Alonzo. Who is your cozy celebrity? Uh, you know, my, I mean, I mean, I, I probably have a, my Christmas cozy celebrity is probably you know uh, Rosemary Clooney in White Christmas, but. I would say, in general, my cozy celebrity is uh, Audrey Hepburn. Mm, classic. Just, yeah, she just, I, I always feel good when I think about mm-hmm. her, when I see her and stuff. And, and it's like she was so incredibly glamorous, but she always felt uh, that she was too skinny. You know, and, she, and and her look sort of became the standard of beauty for for Western women in a lot of ways. But she always like you know you read where in in when she was making Two for the Road, which is one of my favorite movies with her, she was uh, self conscious about being in a bathing suit because she she hated she thought she was too thin. And you know, obviously, women everywhere just think she's just mm-hmm. you know the greatest. And and also the fact that that she was a refugee during World War Two and and then spent the rest of her life you know working for UNICEF. I thought that was I find that very cozy. Absolutely. She also she has a really modern sensibility. Whenever mm-hmm. I'm watching oh, yeah. her perform, timeless. It yeah, it doesn't feel like a lot of actors from that era feel sort of stuck th- there, but she doesn't. She mm-hmm. sort of transcends time. Yeah, absolutely. She yeah, she's never not modern. Mm-hmm. Good pick. And then mm-hmm. now to the main event, <laughs> Alonzo. Can you uh, once again describe this candle? What what are we smelling? Uh, this is the Ralph Lauren holiday candle. Let me see if the packaging offers any. Uh, Special hints about uh, a blend of red currant, evergreen, and juniper. Mm. I think what I really love about this candle is you're, you get the kind of the, the Christmas tree scent, mm. but it's with like a sweet undercurrent. Yeah. That uh, an undercurrent. Oh. Yeah. oh boy. I just um, love that I can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> I can really smell our candles. <laughs> <laughs> That's that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment for Julie. I don't know if it's me. I've learned through this process that I might have sinus issues because I'm always, my nose is in the flame trying to smell <laughs> these candles. But this one has a wonderful, as Matt would say, throw. throw. Yeah, it has, it has a that. very powerful throw. Mm-hmm. It also just, if, if you were to see the site in person, the way that it burns, it's really, I like the the deep red of it. Mm. It sucks you in. And the the Mm-hmm. Actual container itself is this like very dark shade of red, which is gorgeous. I love the color. That's yeah. my favorite part. It's it's a white Christmas red. That glass. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> very saturated. To to me, this 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 candle always feels like 
you know, when you were a kid, the, the 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 sort of easy craft that you could always do is to stick whole cloves into an orange mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a room air freshener. To me, this is sort of like if you had some of uh, some some oranges with cloves stuck in them hanging from a Christmas tree. Absolutely, mm-hmm. this this smells like a sophisticated department store during Christmas. Very oh, sophisticated. Well, yes. Thank you. Which, yeah. considering the brand, makes sense. <laughs> Dang well, really. Better. Yeah, it's one of my favorite candles that we've reviewed so far. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I guess when you pay maybe more than five dollars for a candle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a little more from yeah. it for your buck. I don't know. I know. I know. We've had Yankee Candle beef off uh, off camera, oh. off, off the mic. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know the pricier candles. I mean, obviously they're not all necessarily worth it. But if they're ones that you really like, a lot of times they are designed in such a way that they'll burn longer and deeper and and you know you get a, a, a richer scent out of them. Yeah. Well, this mm-hmm. podcast is stretching the limit for me in terms of burning candles because <laughs> I've. I've learned that I need to start buying smaller and smaller candles because we'll buy one for the podcast and it's like, I just need to get rid of this candle. It's, it's lasting. <laughs> yeah. There's just, I don't know. We should just start giving them away to listeners. Like once I'll we take s- burn them. Okay. We'll give them to Jillian. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, um, you lose. <laughs> but yeah, you don't, you don't need a lot of candle for a long burn. Like just like one candle that's this size will mm-hmm. last you for like a month and a half. Oh yeah. This easily. will, this will get me through the season right. for sure. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing it with Absolutely. us. Absolutely, thank oh, you. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so delighted to be here because I, I really love this show, and Aww. I think that y'all have hit yeah. on a really fun formula and are talking about stuff that you know is not, is not oversaturated on the internet. Like people, you know, I, I think in the last year or so, especially a lot of us find ourselves needing uh, some cozy, and mm-hmm. so it's good to have some, some discussion of that and some suggestions of where to find it. Yeah, and you've been wonderful. I love learning all these tidbits about the movies that we watched, your wealth of information, which is really wonderful. And I've enjoyed so much listening to you. Oh, thank you, Jillian. And three wicks for this candle, I believe. Yes, hands down. The rating system that we can never quite figure out. Yeah, I I think I got it now. A wick per person. (laughs) Yes. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, Alonzo. It's been, it's been a real treat. Yeah. It, it's been an honor. Thank it's, you for having me. I listen. I'm a, I'm a devoted fan of linoleum knife, so it's just so it's intense for me, honestly, <laughs> because I listen to Alonzo and his husband Dave on my commute every week, and now I'm talking to you, and so this is it's that weird thing of like when you listen to podcasts and like you feel like you're close because I've I've. I've heard your voice like every day I, for years now. Same here. No, I mean Matt and I have never met face to face, but I, uh, having listened to every episode of After Smash and, and and every episode that y'all have done, yeah, I I feel I feel very uh, connected to both of you. So mm-hmm. this is exciting to be here, and I wish you both a very merry Christmas, and to all of the uh, all things cozy listeners too. Same to you. Same. Uh, where can people find you? Um, golly, uh, I'm I'm the film reviews editor at The Wrap, which is t h e w r a p dot com. Uh, Dave and I are uh, do the show called Linoleum Knife at linoleum-knife.com or you can go to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash linoleum knife where we do three other shows mm-hmm. for subscribers. Um, what the Flick is uh, youtube.com slash what the flick show and you can find who shot you at uh, who shot you at maximumfun.org. Awesome. And um, Jillian, where can listeners find us? On Instagram, All Things Cozy Podcast. And we just launched a Facebook group where we have discussions. Yeah, about, talk to each other. Yeah, talk to each other, Share connect stuff. about things that are cozy. I do polls. We talked about cozy Thanksgiving foods the other, the other day. And the listeners have been great, really. You mean active. Last month? 
Last well, month? Well, it's been going to be a month. Oh, yes, yes. Last <laughs> month. I was like, I did? I, I managed so many social Time media travel. accounts. I really don't know what's going on. Yeah, so please join our uh, Facebook group. Uh, it's also just like, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear from everybody in like a long form. So yeah. really do join the Facebook group because we actually get to hear from you. And we accept all recommendations. We've been getting a lot of recommendations about great books and maybe we'll get some good recommendations about movies, Christmas movies. Absolutely. Um, and leave these guys five stars on iTunes. Oh, yeah, Thank that too. You. <laughs> Thank you, Alonzo. All right, I guess that does it for today. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And um, stay cozy. <laughs>